Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs> And welcome back to Rock M Radio Speaker Circle. My name is Josh Matica. I am Deputy Manager over at Rock M Nation. Joining me today is another new uh, contributor to the Rock M Nation team. He is our in-house analyst and uh, columnist, really. Please welcome Terry Dennis. Terry, how you doing today, my man? I'm good, man. How about you? Doing pretty good myself. Can't complain. Um, so Terry, we when we got when we were interviewing people to get involved, Terry sent us in his application, and and one of the things that we really were interested in was that not only had Terry uh, had experience writing uh, for Sports Illustrated at one point, but Terry, you were actually on the Mizzou. You were in the Mizzou football program for a few years. Yeah. So from 07 to 2011, man, I. Uh... I was kind of uh, not the last of the Gary Pinkle era, but probably I'd say a good bit of the meat and potatoes of what was really going on, man. So, uh, yeah, so I got to experience quite a few different guys throughout the locker room, some different coaches, including Coach Odom now that he's back. Uh, but for for me, you know, I, I actually ended up walking on in 07. Uh, crazy story. Uh, I don't know. My best friend, Derek Washington, uh, he ended up getting a scholarship from our high school uh, to go play at Mizzou. And uh, a lot of Ray Peck, uh, a lot of Ray Peck here in Kansas City, a lot of Ray Peck talent that went to Mizzou. Chase Kaufman, he's won. Um, Mackey Award winner, I think that was back in 08, uh, 09, but uh, ended up walking on. So, uh, 
you know, coming out of college, uh, sorry, coming out of high school, it was one thing, man. I loved the whole recruiting trail. It was probably the most fun I've had in my life. Uh, just getting called out of class, you know, just getting called out of class. Hey, so-and-so is here from whatever college to talk to you. But Mizzou was never on that list. So for me, I said, you know what, if I'm going to do this college football thing, man, I'm going to, I'm going to do it big. So uh, what I did, I decided to walk on. I sent um, player personnel guy, Coach Otterbacher at the time. He said, hey, send us some film. I did that and I ended up just bugging him, man. Like every, every other day he's getting an email like, hey, it's me, Terry, again, I'm interested. <laughs> so... Uh, so eventually they invited me to a practice. I think it was a bowl game practice for the, uh, it might've been a sun bowl. I forget what it was. Um, but anyway, I, I got the chance to go there meet a couple guys, experience practice, see the locker room, things like that. Uh, to which when summer came around, when, you know, once I graduated, I actually, I got some help from my mom. Uh, kudos to her. Golly, God bless her. She uh, she actually helped me pay for some hotel rooms. I actually went to practices. Um, I don't know if I was really allowed there or not. I'm gonna be honest. I don't know. I just kind of I, I just kind of showed up, man. I just wanted to show my face. I wanted to see what the process was. I wanted to see the coaches in action. I wanted to see the college game first firsthand, man, just right in front of my face. And you know, one thing led to another. I actually came in as a tight end, a rather small tight end at my 185 pound stature at six foot two. So, uh, I don't know. One thing led to another. I kind of did what I had to do, man, to stay on the team. So, special teams, long snapping, uh, receiver, I mean, X, Y, H, Z, whatever you wanted to call it. Um, I played all of it and just soaked it up. And, you know, probably one of the best times of my life, if I'm honest. Uh, just the experience overall leading me down a path that I actually got a little bit of professional experience in the end, even as a walk-on guy that no one really knew about, you know, Jeremy Macklin, all those guys were ahead of me. So, uh, neither here nor there, man, I did get that experience and, um, uh, I don't know. That's kind of what led me back here to rock him. Yeah, man. It's just really interesting talking to you and you and I have had a few conversations now since we officially brought you on just about kind of the experience of being there, like you said, the kind of the meat and potatoes of the Gary Pinkle year, but to, to put it even in grander terms, I mean, those were really formative years for a younger generation of Mizzou fans, right? I remember, I remember being a kid at my grandparents' house watching uh, Arrow, uh, Armageddon at Arrowhead, just like, just, and, and, and I remember those years, I, I talked to Nate Edwards on our last episode about, um, about the bowl game against Iowa and how frustrated I was. Like, these are very, like, clear memories in my mind um, of just of all these years. And, and you were there, man. You were experiencing it. Kind of tell me, walk me through some of your favorite memories of uh, of those eras and of that era and being on the team in what is probably the most successful stretch of Mizzou football. Well, if I'm honest, the whole Iowa thing, uh, I, I am not soon to forget. I do remember that frustration. So um, I actually worked with a colleague. She uh, she went to Iowa. Her dad went to Iowa. And they uh, once they found out I went to Mizzou during that time, they just, you know, they like to tell me every other day, hey, remember that Iowa game? Yeah, I sure do. Thanks. So I, uh, man, I'd say I actually had this conversation the other day, Josh, and it was uh, – kind of ranking my top three honestly of my experiences there um definitely that game at arrowhead back in 07 um 
I don't know if there's really another atmosphere that I could construct as in terms of I don't know. We were just so highly ranked, highly sought after. Chase was in the Heisman run and uh you know, just a lot of circulation around Mizzou, which you really didn't see prior to that, man. Uh I know Mizzou's kind of been that redheaded stepchild. We always get there, but almost or a situation where me growing up, it was like, man, does Mizzou even have a football team? Oh, they kind of suck, you know, things like that. And, you know, for me, I came in at a pivotal era in the Gary Pinkle era where we had the personnel, we had the coaches, we had the system, uh, we had the family, honestly, that really was trying to make a change. And then that game happened. Uh that was my redshirt freshman year. I'll never forget. I actually had to buy a ticket to go. I, I was like, screw it. I'm not going to miss this. I'm from <laughs> Kansas City, so I'm going. Uh, and I know I mentioned Derek before. That was the first. That was his first touchdown that he scored in college. He played as a true freshman. And it, it was just – there was so much emotion circulating around that and the fact that it was KU, uh, which, you know, is another thing I'd like to get that rivalry renewed. But uh, – that definitely the Oklahoma game, man, when they came to us college game day again, just a whole bunch of media circus that circulated around Mizzou that you didn't typically see. Um, and not that we took it to heart, not that it really got to our heads or anything like that, man. But when it came down to it, we we I felt like we were the I don't know. I felt like we were the squad that was really putting Mizzou on the map to let you know, like, hey, guess what? We're here, even from a walk on standpoint. I mean, golly. They told us, hey, whenever you're not in, since you're not playing, we want you guys to hype up the crowd, do everything you got to do to make sure that this is an atmosphere that's not only tough to play in, but conducive to helping our defense, our offense, whatever. They ended up putting me on a whole bunch of commercials and all that stuff. And I I, I, I don't know. It was just that I, I would say other than games, um, a lot of things people don't see, which is what kind of brought me to Rock him in the first place, is just those relationships that you build. Uh, I've built a relationship with Coach Pinkle over the years, Coach Hill, even up to this point, uh, that even behind the scenes, those things that you don't necessarily see outside of maybe a column or maybe on Saturdays or Thursdays, whenever we play, um, some of my fondest memories are honestly one-on-one with coaches, the one-on-ones with Coach Pinkle. I know when he had gotten into trouble with the, with the DUI, things of that nature, I mean, there were guys that were upset. I was hurt, too. I mean, for me, never having a dad, that was more like, I mean, that was pops to me. Uh, even as a walk-on kid, that's something special. That's something that you don't necessarily feel like you would get the chance to experience because you're not there on scholarship. And you kind of think, you know, man, like, I'm working my way. But, you know, on the other hand, there's these guys on scholarship that are, you know, essentially getting scholarship checks and people are investing in them they're reading about them no one really knows who i am but but coach pinkle did and you know i formed a relationship there with coach hill over the years uh with coach odom i'd say those uh are kind of the relationships and if anyone remembers all american tight end martin rucker he and i are still great to this day we've trained we've done pro type workouts things like that together here in the kansas city area since we've graduated from mizzou I actually saw him randomly at McAllister's the other day. Uh, but it was it's uh, it was more of the relationships kind of that football brings. Uh, and there was just something special about Mizzou. I, I couldn't really tell you what it is, Josh. But it was more, you know, I had different schools, NAIA, MIAA, D2. Uh, I even got a letter from Arkansas State when I was coming out. But for some reason, Mizzou was the one that really spoke to me. Um, 
but definitely I would say what most people saw, definitely that Oklahoma game where we beat them here, John McGaffey taking it yard, the first opening kickoff, uh, things like that, man, that, that I will not soon forget. And it's a lot of what I'm saying is the lessons that I took from those men in those positions are probably, uh, I don't know, everyone watches Last Chance You and they always have something to say about Coach Jason Brown. I love Jason Brown. He's a different kind of coach, but, you know, he even mentioned some of the stuff that they don't report on, the stuff that you don't see. That's the stuff that really made the biggest impact for me. Yeah, that was one of the big things. And when we were talking to you that just that we were so excited about, especially because if you look at it from the context of, you know, what's coming this year, right? So you left the air, you left Mizzou kind of at an era where Mizzou was about ready to transition to the SEC, totally different styles of football and new rivalries and old rival rivalries being left behind. And we didn't know it at the time, but a new coach was coming on. And it's, it's funny how college football works like that because every, every four years, you just kind of look back at at the, the history of your program. And you're like, man, I just feel like Everything is different now, which is different than professional sports because you can look over the course of a 10, 15 year stretch and be like, you know, like there were different players and everything, but the general identity of the team was still the same. That's not how it is in college football. I mean, you can look back at how Mizzou is now and and you have these memories and you have these relationships with people that are still with the program, but the team that's getting ready to kick off here in less than a month is so much different than the one you experienced. But at the same time, we're also seeing kind of, I don't want to like put too much out there because, you know, it, it you don't want to get your hopes up too high, I guess. But I, I feel like there's a feeling around the fan base that this coming year could be a lot like the year where you stepped into the program just because of all the hype that's going on around it. I think so, too. And I think a lot of that circulates around our quarterback. Um that plus that family aspect that I speak of, you know, no one was at, no one left, you know, with, with everything that came down from the NCAA sanctions, things of that nature, which, uh, you know, being there in that sort of atmosphere um, with tutoring, with, you know, the academic portion, which is definitely one thing that goes unnoticed when it comes to college sports. Uh, I feel like with the NFL and different things of that nature, you focus more on the monetary Uh, more so than, you know, what's going on is these young guys just building up to be better men, not only just on the field, but in the classroom socially. Uh, I think that when it comes down to this year um, with Kelly coming in, I mean, the guy is who he is. He's a winner. Uh, I actually got to go to the spring game, kind of see, get down on the field a little bit, see what was going on there. Big guy jovial well i mean everything you would want to see in a quarterback in terms of the personality and the kids a player that and the fact that coach odom's come through and you know he hit some rough patches there at the very beginning but even when he said you know what i'm the guy that's gonna win here i knew coach odom from the jump but as a head coach him to step in that role and actually be about what he says taking us to bowl games just bringing up guys and within the program that he's actually been able to construct himself uh, and then having not one person say, you know what, if we're, if we're getting sanctioned and all of that stuff, uh, you know, by the NCAA, no one left, which was amazing to me, which I w- it speaks to the, the culture that's built around Mizzou. Yeah. Yeah. I want to, I want to talk a little bit about that if you don't mind. Um, obviously that was the big story of the last probably calendar year for Mizzou is just these, 
these kind of mind-blowing sanctions in a way that came down for what seemed like such a such a minor violation of the NCAA's rules and and uh, one of the things that you and I have been kind of talking around this whole time is just the idea of an insider's perspective versus an outsider's perspective, right? We see in the media, uh, columnists and journalists, we, we all like to have our thoughts on like, you know, what what could be going through their minds? Because ultimately, that's what we're doing, right? Not, we're not just analyzing the on-field product. We're trying to get the stories and, and kind of the, the feeling behind all of what's going on. And you kind of have a unique perspective. So take us inside of that a little bit, like... When when the sanctions were announced, and obviously there's an appeal going on, we don't know how that's going to turn out, but when they were first announced, when it looked like, okay, Mizzou football has all this promise for the next year, and there's they're not going to be playing in a bowl game, likely. Take us into the mind of a team in, in that point. What what is it, like? What are the players thinking? What are the coaches thinking? What are the conversations that are happening when something like that gets announced? Well, I, I think from the beginning, it's, it's shock. Um, mind blown because here's the thing it, it wasn't just one or two people and we're talking about a situation that happened golly how many years ago five four years ago something like that That when these guys weren't involved in the program exactly so it was kind of getting the residual effects it was kind of you know like your brother or sister gets in trouble and you know mom or dad's not done they got to come find you and say hey how were you involved in it and then everyone else gets in trouble I, I, I don't understand uh, from that point. So there's a lot of questions, a lot of I don't understand, a lot of why is this happening, a lot of this had nothing to do with me. And I think in a locker room, in a situation like that, everyone's kind of feeling like, you know, initially the shock, but initially they're asking the questions of why or how. Um, there's a lot of confusion. Um, and honestly, once you've once you can put yourself in that situation as a player, um, you kind of look to those spoken leaders, those outspoken leaders, even the ones that are kind of like those silent killers, those silent ones that don't really have to say much. You just understand that that's where they're at uh, in terms of mentally handling this sort of thing. But for someone who's been in a locker room that's dealt with different things, just not necessarily like this, you kind of think like, man, what's the big picture? So, Immediately from that shock point, you know, as a coach, you want to step in uh, and kind of be that voice like, you know what? I love you guys. Here's the deal. I understand that none of this is your fault. I understand that this happened. Here's the steps that were taken. Let us be the forefront. Let us be the, you know, and another thing that kind of jumps off is everyone always has something to say. I think social media is kind of blown up to the point where Back in 2007, even 2011, when I graduated, social media and everything like that was really just jumping off. I think we've come well, well full circle in terms of being well-versed. There's more avenues for people to filter out information, uh, just kind of how they feel. And honestly, that sort of thing gets a lot of people in trouble. But, you know, it, it's kind of a moment in the locker room where you see all the guys across from you, you see the guys that you've grinded with, the guys that you've sweat with, bled with, and put in all this time and effort, and you kind of have to sit back and ask, you know what, what's the big picture? Why are we here? Are we here for bowl games? Are we here for each other? Are we here to win? Those are the questions that you really ask as a player. And then as you can see, something as big as the is the monster that is the NCAA isn't enough to actually crumble this particular team even though however heinous that these sanctions might be I think as a player 
you kind of have to sit back and evaluate, okay, I came to Mizzou for a reason. Is that reason for me to just kind of lay down, quit, cry, bark on social media, or am I going to stand behind the reason that I came here, the reason that Coach Odom said, you know what, this is a family and he's the guy? Do I trust that guy as much as he's put all this time and effort into me? If that doesn't balance out, I think you'd see a lot of guys leaving. But since I think that Coach Odom's put his stamp on this program, even if Mizzou hasn't won as many games as people thought they should or would, or even with this move to the SEC, because, I mean, we were the last of the Big 12s, but even with this move to the SEC, people thought it was a dumb idea, uh, maybe just a, I don't know, just a money funnel or something like that. But I think what Coach Odom's done is silence all the outside criticism and decided to be that forefront, kind of that one that's on the front lines fighting for his players, and that's not unnoticed. So for us to see a guy in that situation, to watch our leader stand firm and not waver, I think for players that does something for us. And I think the rest of the coaches for having, golly, however long Coach Ford, Coach Hill, all those guys have stuck around, even from the Gary Pinkle era, to stick around and say, you know what, this is something I want to be a part of. I think as coaches, not only do you have to try to find a way to make your players feel secure, like, hey, we're not going anywhere. We're still going to win games. We're still going to fight. We're still going to do everything it takes for you guys to fulfill whatever it is, because honestly, you're student athletes, student first. You know, we want you guys to get your degrees. We want you to love where you're at. This university is special, regardless of who says what. So I think uh, as a coach, there's a tremendous responsibility. Um, and I actually get my first <laughs> experience with college coaching here coming up shortly. But I, uh, I think as a coach, you, you try to disperse that pressure away from your players because honestly, they had nothing to do with this. And you kind of want to make them seem as if, you know, what's really important is the reason why you came here in the first place. So uh, inside the locker room, it's it's not chaos. It's not people throwing chairs. It's it's I mean, golly, I saw a video the other day. Everybody was, you know, doing the little HBCU band thing, just kind of marching <laughs> and dancing like things like that, like. Nothing's changed. The culture is there. If the culture is strong enough to remain firm in all of this stuff, Josh, then honestly, nothing else is really going to matter. I mean, we could go. I, I think this year will be special in that aspect. Even if we don't go undefeated, I, I always say we will. Shoot, why not? But it's a uh, it's a scenario where culture outweighs the consequence. Yeah, we've talked a lot about you've talked a lot about, I should say, the the culture that's being built and kind of what Barry Odom has done. And in kind of the context of the NCAA sanctions, I think the immediate fear for a lot of people outside of just the bowl game and the, possibly the recruiting sanctions and, and things of that nature was just that lots of the players that are kind of expected to contribute on this year's team are seniors, right? And and as, and as a, a byproduct of those sanctions, those seniors were able to leave and, and not go through the waiver process. So the immediate fear was, okay, Kelly's going to leave, uh, Trevor's going to leave, like a lot of these guys are going to take off. And really, I think one of the biggest takeaways from this entire saga, I mean, no matter what ends up happening, whether the the bowl game sanction is overturned or no matter what happens, is like you said, none of these guys left. They all stuck around. Like Mizzou kept its core intact. And we talk a lot about 
Barry Odom in, in kind of in terms of his on-field production, right? And, and that's to be expected. That's that's what a, a coach is brought on to win games and to build programs and to maintain that success. And you know what? Barry Odom, over the course of his first three years, is only 500. There have been a lot of disappointing moments. There have been a lot of high moments. But I think depending on where you came in, expectations maybe haven't quite have been as exceeded as maybe when Gary Pinkle built that foundation, you expected the next guy to come in and take the next step. And I think for as good as he has been, the, the Mizzou program hasn't taken that next step. They've got a great opportunity this year to do it, and that's what I want to ask you about. What do you see out of Barry Odom that makes that possible, that in the face of these sanctions, he is able to keep together a team that has so much promise that could have that could have gone any which way. The seniors could have gone here or there. And what do you see in Odom that makes you believe that they could text, take this next step under him? Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Well, first and foremost, Barry Odom has to be one of the most kind-hearted, humble individuals that I've ever met. Uh, I think it speaks a lot to the character of the team as when it comes back to the head coach. Um, I heard an interesting quote that said, players win games, coaches lose them. You'll always hear a coach say, hey, uh, you know what? That one's on me. I got to call better plays or, you know, we got to put you guys in a better position to win. We got to recognize these things prior to in terms of preparation. But one thing I know about Coach Odom is that behind all of that happiness all that humility the guy is relentless Uh, I mean even in his linebacker days when he was at Mizzou back in the 90s uh, he's not one that's going to take kindly to anyone disrespecting what he's put forward so uh, disrespecting what he's put forward in terms of the amount of work he's put into this university even before he was the head coach when he was coaching safeties things of that nature even when he went to Memphis when he was with those other Tiger guys the thing about it is Coach Odom has a spirit in him that is unmatched. I, I, I think to be a college coach is one thing, but to be the man at the helm, the one that's facing all of the criticism, the one who's got to answer to the media the most. I mean, to him, honestly, football is probably the eighth thing on his list of things to do in terms of coaching football. So I think the thing about Coach Odom is he's so focused on the big picture, and it's so it's such a focused big picture. The picture doesn't have a lot in it. It's a giant picture of just one common goal. I think he's so good at focusing with relentless ambition uh, from his staff, the way he runs things, to the minor details. Attention to detail is big for Coach. Uh, I think that separates him in terms of being the guy to right the ship. I think in terms of the success that you'll see this year and years to come, because I don't think that, I don't think, I mean, people were calling for his head after season two, even after season one, just because of what Coach Pinkle had built, like you said, uh, people expected that next step to be taken. And when it didn't go their way, you know, people started calling for his head. And I think that to understand 
truly what's really going on in the locker room, there might be some rebuilding. There's a new sheriff in town. You've got to expect new rules, new things of that nature. But for Coach Odom, what I know about him is that he his level of focus is pinpoint. I mean, not no pun intended, but if you kind of if you kind of picture that tiger just kind of waiting on that gazelle, just kind of hiding there in the weeds, just focused in nothing around him, no sights, no sounds, nothing that touches him. It's almost an impenetrable, I, I, impenetrable, I guess you could say, force that he's built around him. He's so disciplined when it comes to the character, when it comes to the management, when it comes to the fostering of relationships. I, I think that there is something about Coach Odom that a lot of people do not get to see, which I'm kind of trying to explain here, um, that, that singles him out in terms of him actually being that guy. So I think with the success that you'll see this year, uh, Mizzou, like I said, hasn't always been. We're not. We're not Nick Saban's Alabama Crimson Tide. Uh, people look to those guys who win a lot of games, the Bill Belichicks, right? So, um, and those storied programs. But for a program such as Mizzou, who's not the LSU, who's not the Bama, who's not the Florida, who's not honestly, when the game was still out, wasn't honestly the first team you picked when you got on the game. Uh, I think it speaks volumes to coach Odom with everything that he's had to deal with and still be able to come out on top and win and do exactly what he said and keep his players. And of course the Kelly thing with, you know, him saying, you know what, I chose Mizzou for a reason. So I think that's, uh, that speaks to coach Odom's, uh, identity as a coach, uh, as a person, as a recruiter, uh, and just, a, just a family man for lack of a better term. Um, uh, I, th I think that's what really singles him out. I think that's what I'd say you'd see the most of in Coach Odom. Yeah, I mean, you talk about building that culture, and you use the word family. Anybody who's ever played sports, I would even say on a high school level, understands kind of the family aspect that goes in, into it, right? You're, you're taking part in something that you care about, but you're also doing it with other people that are kind of scattered together and then brought together to accomplish one goal right I mean that's that's what a family is and, and it's very and it's very evident that Odom has done a really good job building I mean you there's certainly things that you can criticize him for and say hey he needs to get better at this and that but I think there's the one thing that we can all definitively say is that Barry Odom has definitely built a culture at Mizzou and and that culture has already carried him through a tough time and and depending on how the season shakes out, I think we'll have an even greater perspective on how that culture impacts um, kind of stormy moments in, in the Mizzou program. Uh, Terry, the last thing I want to ask you about before we sign off here is just a little bit about what listeners and, and what readers can expect to get from you at Rock M Nation. Now, they might have a better idea already just because of some of the conversations that we've been having and, and this and this perspective that that's unique that you bring that they might not get anywhere else on the Mizzou beat. But talk a little bit about what you're going to be doing at Rock M and and kind of what why you think that readers will need to check you out. Well, uh, I, I kind of explained it a little bit more in our conversations, but for for anyone else that's listening, you know, I, I think I bring uh, a little bit of difference. I know, uh, kind of been talking with the producers and whatnot here at Rock M. Uh, once new management came through, things of that nature, it wasn't necessarily a bad change, but 
you know, we started to see, and, you know, I'll read the columns, I'll look at things, I'll kind of compare things from like Rock M to, you know, Sports Illustrated to ESPN columns, things like that, because I honestly, I, I like to write, I like to read little different things like that, because it's something I'm passionate about. I love sports, particularly the Mizzou football, but it's, uh, you get a lot of perspective from the form of just beat writers. You don't necessarily have someone who's been in the very place at the very time or at some point in time in the, you know, in the near past uh, of the place that you're actually reporting on. So I think for me, I think what I can bring uh, is an interesting perspective in terms of, you know, one th- it's one thing to go to a Mizzou football game or read something on Rockem, but a lot of times as coaches and players, we are kind of judged on the product that we put out either last week or this coming week or, you know, what we do then and there during the game. Uh, and a lot of people don't necessarily understand the time and the effort that it takes to actually put into producing a quality product on the field. So I think what I can do is offer an interesting perspective from someone who's been in the locker room, for someone who's gotten on the field, for someone who has taken their career in football uh, all the way up to the professional ranks, to college coaching, things of that nature, and give people an inside look of not necessarily the surface level, but kind of what's under the surface and the things that you don't necessarily understand because everything from a lot of people don't necessarily know what a full-time job it really is as a player I mean, gosh, you're, I mean, during summer, they just started camp the other day. Uh, you don't know that we're up at about 530 and we don't get back to the dorms until about 8 p.m. There's meetings, there's there's practice, there's recovery, there's lifting, all of those things all in the same day, which to people sounds like not a lot. But for us, I mean, it takes a toll on your mind. It takes a toll on your body. I mean, shoot, a quick 10 minute nap is something that we would just like, hey, man, I, I, I'm looking forward to that quick 10 minute or today. Mm-hmm. Like something like that. Um, there's things that people don't necessarily understand. And even for coaches from the analysis standpoint, I mean, by the time we get film on our little CD or little DVD, they've already analyzed it. So whenever we're, you know, in class or if we're going somewhere on a weekend or not necessarily going somewhere, maybe we're even at church or something like that before we lift and go into meetings, um, They're in there analyzing film, they're meeting, they're going over different things for next week, they're preparing for weeks on end uh, for the next four weeks out. So, you know, that's one thing. And then the meetings themselves, that's probably the worst part about camp, you know, which, (laughs) but those meetings aren't just football. You know, Coach Pinkle uh, and Coach Odom probably does the same thing, did a good job of kind of introducing meetings that were like, hey, Today we're talking about character. Today we're going to talk about excuses. Today we're going to talk about integrity. Things of that nature that really built us up. And that's literally the last thing we get to hear before we go to sleep, before we go back to the dorms. People don't know what it takes. People don't know that the know the men that they're that that are being created behind the pads. You know, so I think what I can bring is an interesting perspective from that standpoint to the point where I can convey what really goes on the day in the life of a student athlete or a college coach um, to which a lot of people will sit there and say, you know what? I mean, I feel like I understand where Barry Odom's going. I think he should do this. I think he needs to work on this. Coach Odom knows exactly what he needs to work on and he's open to the criticism. It's just, you know, 
the culture that he's built is strong enough to not let outside words penetrate to the point that he has to radically change anything, uh, which, you know, at some point may be necessary. But from someone who's on the inside like I have been, I think that uh, in terms of offering that inside perspective, now as an outsider from actually being in pads, going through camp, going through the season, the grind, the wear and tear, uh, I think I can give people an understanding of what it is outside of just winning football games. Yeah, and we're really excited. Uh, I know Sam and I talked about this when we were talking to you before we officially brought you on, but we were really excited to to get your thoughts and to and to offer them up for for readers and listeners, just in kind of those ins and outs of the season. Because right, it's not always just camp. It's how do players respond after a tough loss? What are the locker room conversations going on? In a, in a really tight game at half versus a rival? Like, what are those little stories and, and, and moments that we don't get to see? And maybe even if we saw them, we wouldn't quite understand them. And we're really excited about the perspective that you can bring to those. So, um, I, I'm, I mean, personally speaking, I'm really excited to, to listen to the stuff that you put out and, and to hear the thing and to read the things that you're going to write, um, just because that's a perspective that is obviously very lacking on the Mizzou beat, and, and I'm really excited to see what you're going to do. Man, I'm excited to be here, man. And, you know, just those little things that, uh, you know, you hear a lot of athletes, you know, I've seen it from the professional spectrum, just like, man, all these things come from people who have never played sports and all of those things. And it's, I mean, however true that might be, I mean, everyone, one, is entitled to their opinion. Two, there's a lot of athletes that are here at Rock M, not necessarily Mizzou athletes, but, you know, guys like Sam who played baseball, I believe, and then we basketball. He wouldn't stand. He wouldn't stand to get that wrong. I, I know that for sure. You know what? He did say basketball. Shout out to Rockhurst University here in Kansas City, <laughs> Missouri. Yeah, that was basketball. Sorry, Sam, but uh, started with a B and a ball. But here's the deal, man. I, uh, uh, you know, it, it, it's one of those things where as athletes we have the opportunity to kind of have our own little say our own little rebuttal and usually it takes the form of social media or a really bad interview that kind of just tarnishes the program but uh i think kind of stepping back uh looking at different perspectives of okay i understand why this person would say that the program needs to change or i could understand why this person would want coach odom to leave or i could even understand why this guy terry who wasn't Jeremy Macklin, who wasn't Chase Kaufman, who wasn't Will Franklin, Tommy Saunders, Jarrell Jackson, you name it, Wes Kemp. Uh, I can understand why I don't want to listen to this guy because he wasn't that, you know, big name. But from someone who has been in this position with guys like that in the locker room, with leaders, uh, with guys who are painted on the wall inside the facility, to guys like Coach Odom, uh, you know, it's a situation where as an athlete, uh, I can come back and you know, say, you know what, taking a step back, I, I want you guys to see exactly what goes on, the, the inner makings, what really happens behind the scenes so you can understand. And, you know, every once in a while, you know, athletes don't necessarily always need pats on the back, but every once in a while, it's good to know that, hey, after a tough loss, you know, no one completely hates us. We have the support, you know, <laughs> so uh, I, I think... Just adding that perspective, man, I uh, I really think that it'll give people an inside look to what's going on and not necessarily just the writing. I mean, there's the podcast here, too, but uh, I just think that in the grand scheme, 
uh, this whole thing can be interconnected in terms of understanding truly what goes on in that locker room, truly who these players are as people. Um, because, yeah, man, players are people, not just, you know, a product that you put there, put out there on Saturdays once a week. So it's, it's a situation, man, that uh, I think people will learn to respect a lot more. Uh, I think athletes that might listen to this might gain a little bit res- more respect for the, you know, the reporting side from the media side, from the Rock M side, uh, in terms of what's covered to make it more authentic. Yeah, for sure. We're really excited about how how your voice can potentially bridge that gap and, and almost like bring more empathy. Because, I mean, at the end of the day, players play and coaches coach and, and fans are fans because we all care about this one thing, right? Like we all care about the success of Mizzou football, not only just, you know, for, for pride, but for just like, it's something we all enjoy and share together. It's kind of the big idea that sports our community. And, uh, and I'm really excited about how you're going to potentially uh, to, to bridge that gap at Rock M Nation. Terry, thank you so much for being on Speaker Circle, man. I really appreciate your time. Thank you, man. I appreciate the opportunity, man. I'll be here. I'm, I'm not going anywhere for a while. Yeah. Rock M Nation listeners and readers, you'll be able to find his stuff on a podcast that we're doing for the upcoming football season. Terry should have a weekly column that's running. That'll be really awesome. And yeah, we're just really excited about what Terry brings. Um, again, Terry, thank you. Obviously, thank you to everybody who's listening. You can find Rock M Radio on uh, Apple Podcasts, on Google, on SoundCloud, wherever you are looking for your podcast. And obviously, we'll be up on Rock M Nation website uh, for Terry. I'm Josh Matica again, and we will see you guys next time. Thank you so much for listening.